0: Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to worship today. We are glad that you are here for your guests with us. Uh, my name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here at Opus Special. Welcome to you. We are continuing a sermon series called Stronghold. And we are looking in this sermon series at the stronghold that God has on us with his grace, the one that will never let go, and thinking about how he is our stronghold and how that breaks these strongholds of sin in our lives. And so this sermon series is about God's grace, his love that never lets us go, but it's also about sin. And we're focusing specifically on what is historically known as the seven deadly sins as we walk through this. Today, I'm going to be talking about envy. So what's the big deal about envy? When you think about envy as a sin, you may look at that list of, of you know, other sins, gluttony and pride and you know, lust and all those things on the list and think, well, envy is just you know, no big deal. I mean, that's just something that everybody does once in a while. We're envious of someone. We're jealous of someone. But what I would propose to you today is that, in fact, envy is the most insidious of all the sins. That envy is perhaps one of the most destructive of all the sins that we commit. Now, the Bible uses some sibling terms to describe envy. So in my preaching today, I'm going to speak about envy, but also closely related to that is this concept of jealousy and the concept of coveting, the commandment, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not covet. They're closely related. And the definition of envy is this. It's, It's the distress or pain we feel when we see what others have that we think that we should have when others have what we want. And again, envy seems to be at the root of all other sin. In fact, that's what our first lesson said today. James 3.16 says this, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Think about that. Where you have envy and selfish ambition, so it's pretty much envy and pride, those two. Where you have those two, you have disorder and every evil practice. And certainly we see this true in the account of scripture. Cain killed Abel because he was envious of what God said to him about his sacrifice. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers because they were envious of his multicolored coat and the favor that his father shown him. David has an affair with Bathsheba because he is envious of another man's wife. And even, get this, even Jesus is put on the cross because of envy. In Mark 15:10, we read that the Pharisees hand Jesus over to Pilate for judgment to be crucified because they are envious of him, envious of Jesus. So envy puts Jesus on the cross. Envy causes us to lie. Envy causes us to cheat. Envy causes us to steal. Envy is a reason that we kill one another. Envy is a reason, jealousy, coveting, is a reason why wars happen and injustice happens in this world. And envy affects everyone, everyone, from toddlers to CEOs. You've seen it, put a bunch of little kids in a room with one really cool toy and a a bunch of not-so-cool toys, envy will disrupt. And you think that you're better than that, but put yourself in a boardroom with a bunch of high-powered people fighting over resources, and envy will rule the day. From toddlers to CEOs, every race, every ethnicity, every culture, every socioeconomic position struggles with this sin of envy. The sin of envy where we see something that somebody else has and we're jealous of it. We covet it, we desire it to be ours. In fact, this sin, even though it's so insidious, has actually become something that's celebrated in our culture. We live in an envy-driven culture, a culture where we are marketed to constantly that we are somehow to be dissatisfied with what we have and when we need to spend more money that we have to buy something we do not have because somebody else has it and it appears to be making them happy. And we celebrate that. We point out other sins, right? We point out sins that are, that are sexual in nature. We point out sins that are, are maybe otherwise moral in nature. And we condemn them. But in the world today, the sin of envy, we just let it slide often. Like it's no big deal. But scripture says that this is at the root of all evil practices. And perhaps of all the sin that exists in our hearts, in our lives, and in our community, in our world, we as Christians should condemn the most envy and the materialistic selfishness that follows. is perhaps the most destructive of sins in terms of our relationships with each other and our relationship with God. You don't hear that preached about very often, do you? Now, we live in a world that just markets to this. A, a personal example, uh, I, I moved a couple of years ago, it was just time for Tammy and I to transition homes, and we moved to a new house, and one of the things that I've always wanted is you know, a golf course lawn. And in this new neighborhood, there were some lawns that were really, really nice. I, I think they, were, they all belonged to folks that were retired, right, and so they had a lot of time to tend to their lawn, not judge, no judgment, but that was just what it was. And so I thought, I'm gonna keep up with this. To keep your lawn weed free, that deep, deep green, the perfect cut, the perfect thickness, the perfect height at all times, it takes a lot of resources. But I would look at my neighbor's lawns and I would think, I don't care, I'm gonna spend the money. And I did. And at the end of the summer, I looked at how much money I spent on making grass green and it was silly, but I had the nicest lawn on the block. Next year, we had that bad winter. Spring comes, I'm expecting my beautiful lawn to be pristine at the start. Guess what is half destroyed by snow mold and other things that lawn that I was so proud of, that was the envy of the neighborhood that was driven by envy. And it took an entire summer to just get it back to somewhat normal, an entire summer of of grasping two shades of green. That works when you're going for camouflage, but it's not right in a lawn, right? Envy led me to the, this feeling. Every time I'd walk out, I'd see that. And I was just disgusted. I was angry. Uh, I was you know, frustrated with it. Now, that's just silly because it's just a lawn. But think about that when, when that comes to life in other ways. When we compare ourselves to other people, what envy leads to is bitterness. What envy leads to is a sense that life is not good enough, that you're not enough. And you've somehow been wrong. We live in a world that markets to envy. And it markets to envy by telling us that that we're somehow incomplete. Unless we have this thing. We have what that other person has. Whether it's a relationship or a thing. And it's a lie. It's a lie that comes straight from the pit of hell. Hell. And in this sense, what what envy is, is envy then is idolatry, and it's a waste of time. How is it idolatry? Well, see, envy at its core is a heart issue. It's about our heart's desires. What we think we should have, the place that we think we should be in order to feel complete. Our heart desires things that that are false, the things of this world, then whatever your heart desires is what you will worship. Don't fool yourself. You may say that I'm worshiping God, but if if your life and your heart is constantly focused on these things of the world and how you are going to get them like that other person has them, then that's what you're worshiping. And it denies your God-given potential. It's see, because we, when we envy the things of this world, we're really envying other people and we're wanting to be like them. But God didn't make you to be like anybody else. God made you unique. Like snowflakes, right? I'm not saying you're snowflakes, but <laughs> like snowflakes. Everyone, supposedly scientists tell us, is absolutely unique. The same as you for the billions of people that have lived on this earth throughout time, not one is like you. Not one has your voice, not one has your fingerprints, not one has your combination of of, of thoughts and patterns and unique experiences. You are absolutely unique. And God made you in your uniqueness to be a reflection of his image of this world. And when we are envious, we conform to the patterns of this world rather than seeking who God has created us uniquely to be. And see, the problem with it is that we can completely miss the plan that God has for our lives because we're striving after something of this world and not after the glory of God in our lives. And so envy is just this destructive sin that keeps us from being who God made us to be as his children. So what's the solution? Well, let's dive into our gospel today, another story of envy, and look at some answers to this. So we we read part of the story of the prodigal son, a very familiar story from Luke's gospel. If you don't know it, it goes like this. There's a father has two sons. One of the sons is rebellious. The younger son does the unthinkable. He asks for his inheritance early so that he can go live a wild and riotous life. And the father, out of his love and maybe his foolishness, gives the son his inheritance and lets him go. The son goes and depletes all this income on wild debauchery horrible things and finds himself destitute spent it all this incredible wealth wasted it all on alcohol and women feeding pigs and basically a slave to other people and he thinks to himself in this moment of absolute despair you know even the the servants on my dad's estate are treated better than i'm being treated now i'm going to go back home and beg I've come to the bottom, I've lost all my shame. Can't get any worse, I'm just gonna go beg my father, even though I disowned him. I'm gonna go beg him to at least be a slave there because I'll maybe have some food to eat. And so he goes back home and he's on his way home and his father sees him coming, hears about him coming from a way off and his father hits up his robe. He runs out to greet him. He embraces him. He, he, he cries, he weeps, he gives him his ring. He orders his servants to, to kill a fattened calf, to throw a party because what was lost has been found. His son, whom he loves more than anything in this world, has returned. And they're going to celebrate. But meanwhile, the older son sees this joyous response of the father. And rather than joining with the father, rejoicing with the father at the grace given to his brother. His brother has come back. This is good news. What does he do? In his envy, in his jealousy, he can't stand what he views as preferential treatment to his brother, and he's ticked off. And so he says to his dad, Dad, you, you never even let me have a goat to celebrate with my friends, why you treated him this way. In his envy, see, he is blind to reality. Because his father says, son, you've always been with me. And everything, get this, everything I have is yours. You know, we say love is blind. I don't think that's true. Envy is blind. Because what envy does is it makes us distort reality. In his jealousy for his younger brother, he could not see that everything that the father has was his. He had every gift. He had every blessing at his disposable. The keys to the father's kingdom were in his hands. This wasn't a question of this, but his envy made him bitter and angry and unable to celebrate what the father was celebrating. So too, when we're envious of our brothers and sisters in this world, we are blind, blind to the own blessing that God has put in our lives and unable to celebrate and rejoice with them, God's love and grace for them too. So how, what are the steps to defeating this? The first is, one, don't compare yourselves to others, ever, Lesson after lesson after lesson after lesson in Scripture. Don't compare yourselves to other. Envy is, is fed by that. As a child of God, the only standard of comparison that we have in this world is God's Son, Jesus Christ, and his holy word. Period. When we think that we should look like someone else, that we should be like someone else, that that we should have what someone else has, when we're envious of their stuff, their possessions, their relationships, in any single way, we are comparing ourselves to the things of this world and not living into who God has created us to be. Don't compare yourself to others. Galatians 6.4 says this, each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Secondly, celebrate God's goodness and grace to others. Rather than being bitter or resentful, which we kind of live in in a culture now, if we see somebody successful, if we see somebody have something that we don't think that they should have, what's our first inclination? To think that, you know, that they got it in some ill begotten way. to think that that's selfish of them, to to throw darts at them. But while it's doing, it's not hurting them, they could care less. All it's doing is making us bitter. Envy's a boomerang sin. We throw it out there trying to hurt somebody else, but it comes around and it whacks us in the head and knocks us off of our feet. We are called as Christians to celebrate God's goodness and grace. To others, Be thankful for what you have. Practice gratitude. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. But beyond that, take that gratitude to the extra step. Rejoice in your neighbor's blessings and success. When you read through the small catechism of Martin Luther, this instruction book that he wrote to explain the Lord's Prayer, the Apostles' Creed, and the Ten Commandments. When he goes to the sin of coveting in the commandment, he gives this explanation. And he, here's what he says. Martin Luther, the namesake of our denomination, he says, We are to fear and love God so that we do not desire to get our neighbor's possessions by scheming or by pretending to have a right to them, but always help them keep what is theirs. We rejoice and we, we celebrate and we protect what others have and we are grateful for the abundant blessing that God has given us in our lives. But finally, if you want to fight envy in your life, here, here's the truth. No amount of self-control, self-discipline, or self-anything is gonna be the power of this sin has on your life. The only thing that will conquer it is the stronghold of God's grace on the cross. And so to beat the sin of envy, give it to Jesus. Confess and surrender to love. 1 Corinthians 13.4 says this, Love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast, and it is not proud. You know, we read this at weddings, a lot of times because, you know, it's a beautiful description of love and maybe that's a good thing. But I think one of the bad things about this powerful text is that we read it at weddings and now we think, oh, that's so cute. This little text from First Corinthians 13. When, when, when this was written to the Corinthian community, it was not written for marriage. The description of love in First Corinthians 13 is not a description of our love and our capacity for love. It's describing God's love. Love does not envy. And so if we want to break the sin of envy in our lives, then run to God's love. Receive his love. Surrender to his love. Confess your sin and know his love. Because where love exists, and if love is ruling our hearts, envy can't live there anymore. The two are like oil and water. They they can't blend. You can't have them at the same time. So you want to conquer envy. Love is greater than envy. Love conquers envy because what love does is it kicks us out of this self-centered perspective of envy and jealousy and coveting because that's what it is and and makes us see ourselves in each other and the world through the eyes of God's love who loves us all impartially and completely Run to the stronghold of God. Psalm 18.2 says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. Envy put Jesus on the cross, but on the cross, Jesus died to defeat the power that envy has in our life. And Jesus Christ, in his blood, in his sacrifice, is victorious. Love does not envy. Love gave itself completely for you on a cross. And so a light of this, let's follow the wisdom that Paul gives us in Romans to not conform to the patterns of this world, to not measure ourselves by each other or what we think this person has or this person has or how better or worse we are than anybody else to not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, the renewing of our complete self in Jesus Christ. Then we will be able to test and approve what God's will is. In other words, we'll be able to live out God's purposes, his unique purposes for us in his life, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let us be who God has called us to be. And let the stronghold of God defeat the sin of envy in our lives. Amen. Father, we thank you today for your grace, love, and mercy in your son, Jesus Christ. Guide us, Lord. Lead us in your truth as we seek to be your people. Lord, let us not be confused. Keep us from this sin of envy this insidious sin which destroys our soul. And fill us instead, Lord, with your your love, your love which conquers all and reminds us that we are uniquely made, that we are yours, and that we have been called to a greater purpose in this life. Lord, help us not to waste one day with jealousy or envy, but to be filled with your love.